Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. Montreal, Vancouver or Toronto. If you're stuck choosing between these three beautiful Canadian cities, we've got you covered. This episode's guest is Sarah from England and she's lived long term in all three places since moving to Canada in 2008. Montreal is my favourite city in the world and I always think about this all the time, about why it's so great and my most recent thought on that was because it's got all the best bits about Canada, it's got like the friendliness, the openness and it's also got obviously because of the French influence, like beautiful kind of like old European style and cobbled streets and stuff like that, like the food culture and just like the way of life. No, I'm literally like the world's biggest ambassador for Canada. I'm like, why do not more people know about Canada? Sarah tells us the pros and cons of each of the three places, including whether or not French language skills are vital for a life in Montreal. She also shares her journey from being burnt out working in the Canadian film industry to becoming an inspiring coach for creative entrepreneurs and how you can also make money doing something you truly love. Let's start the show. Hello, Sarah. It's so nice to be with a fellow Brit. How are you? Hi. I'm happy to connect with more of the Brits Abroad Club. Yes, welcome. So nice to to be here with you. (laughs) You've had such a busy day today. I I just saw you just wrapped up one of your free workshops on your platform. And um, yeah, this time you were talking about the art of magnetic messaging for easy five-figure sales. So yeah, busy bee. How did that go? It went really well. I had a lot of fun. Quite a few people showed up live, got to answer some questions, took them through an intuitive process. It was amazing. Wow. That's like a whole new level of confidence to go live on webinars. I've, I've, I've kind of taken the easy route down with a podcast. I can just choose what I say and edit it nicely to go live in front of all those people. That's a new level. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been doing it for a while and it gets easier. The more you do it, the easier. You, sometimes I check myself and I'm like, should I be saying some of the things that I say on the internet? I've just got to this level of comfort now where I'm like just completely myself and I'm like, should I really be saying this? But whatever helps me connect with people, right? Oh, 100%. That's definitely the way things are going now. People buy from people and people love like all the different stories and everyone being goofy online. That's the way, the way no one wants the perfect Instagram influencer anymore. So that's awesome. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for squeezing us in. I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, it's just so nice and there's something so homey about talking to someone with the same accent. I I really don't know how to explain it. I guess I just, I live so far in the middle of nowhere in Canada and never, ever, ever get to hang out with English people here. It's just, you know, over FaceTime with people back home and stuff. So yeah, it feels like home. It's nice. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's particularly because I've lived in Montreal for so many years. And when I first arrived in 2011, honestly, it felt like there was no other English people there because obviously I'm an English person. I know how lazy we are at learning other languages. It took a lot (laughs) to motivate me to really to learn French. So I understand why there's less English people there. There's tons in Vancouver. Um, And it's, 
yeah, it's like you really notice it when you go a long time without speaking to people from your home country and then suddenly you get together with people who just speak your language and it's it's so fun. I, I miss it sometimes, yes. definitely. Yeah, you almost you realize how you've just been Canadianizing your your words and your accents just for a, for a yeah. better life and then you meet up with your friends and family and they're like, "Pardon? Like what did you just say?" <laughs> yeah. Now people just think I'm Australian because I have this weird kind of Same. like twang twangy intonation same it's so funny I was counting the amount of times I was working um at a trade show and every single time I'd be like where in Australia are you from I think it's the the softened t's because now we say like better and instead of better so it, it sounds right. more Australian that's my theory but also to be fair even when I was very very fresh off the plane people still get confused between Australian and British. I think because they didn't get neighbours on TV, so they haven't had that training of what an Australian accent sounds like and how it's very different to an English accent. Very. Yeah, I almost forget sometimes that there's over, what, 55 million people that actually do sound like me. I'm always treated like I'm such a special rarity over here. Like, oh my (laughs) God, I love your accent. You know, I'm always saying to Canadians, you know, you do know that there are double the amount of people that sound like me than there is you so it's quite funny oh you mean in the whole world yeah yeah (laughs) right everyone just loves the british accent it's just positive racism that we benefit Mm -hmm. from when we come to north america (laughs) yeah and i never paid attention to my accent before ever like you said it was never a thing and then you move to canada and it's just all anyone ever talks about yeah do you have any funny stories or, or experiences with your english accent here like any misunderstandings or anything um okay water Yes. No one ever understands when I, and I don't really drink that much alcohol anymore since I left England. So every time I ask for water at the bar, particularly when it's noisy, people just look at me like, and I have to actually say it. A lot of people, I'll have to say it. I'll be like, can I have some water, please? And then they're like, oh, that's what you're saying. (laughs) Other than that, I don't know. In America, I have more issues than, than in Canada. Someone actually told me once, she was like, you are an American now. You can't just go around saying things in, in your funny accent i'm like where are you, what planet are you from so many people in america have accents <laughs> you can't yeah. go saying that to an immigrant no and it's funny too like they say oh do i have an accent to you and it's like <laughs> yes of course you do you have a canadian accent or an american accent it's so funny they think that they're like accentless and we're the ones with accents <laughs> yeah. it's like so strange oh dear (laughs) yeah it's funny (laughs) there are so many words that are different as well you know I always knew the obvious ones from tv and you know like pants for trousers trunk hood Mm -hmm. boot bonnet but yeah I found out the hard way that we do say a lot of things differently yeah really really unexpected things like toque yeah that's a very canadian one for hat Mm. it's like a beanie it's just the same as a beanie I think so funny I think it's also maybe even more of a west coast thing than an east coast thing maybe Mm. I'm not sure and like a biscuits are completely different here. I'm like, what is this? Right. It's not our biscuits are cookies and their biscuits are like scones almost. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the full sentences that get me like, I never expected them. So for example, I would always say to my friend, you know, oh, what time will you be at mine? You know, what time will you be at ours? And it, it, one of them said to me one day, they were like, what, what the, I had, it took me a while to get, to understand what you meant by that. Obviously for them, it's, you know, what time are you going to get to my place or our place? Like they don't say mine. Oh, I didn't know that. So that was a really weird one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I told my sister-in-law that the milk had gone off and she was like, where? <laughs> <laughs> 
oh, oh, it's gone bad, right. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a really funny one as well. So it's like the phrases now that I've moved on from the words, so. Right. No, yeah, I've definitely had a few things like that. Maybe not for a while, because I think my friends are used to it now. Or maybe I've, like, toned it down. And I just (laughs) learned not to say things that people don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But yeah, there's. I remember in the beginning, there was definitely a lot of moments like that where people would just just be like, um, what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> yeah I wouldn't change it though I love it I really hope I don't lose it um you know you see people that have been here maybe 40 years and they still sound super English so I'm like yes okay good like I'm not gonna lose it but yeah I think the thing we'll for me was when I lived in Montreal I was surrounded by people who English was their second language mm-hmm. so I really like had to and a lot of people who were learning English so I think I really like you know learned to speak in like the most easy to understand way possible I think that definitely like has influenced um the way I speak but obviously when you get back around English people you just switch straight back into it again oh I know it's so funny we go back home and my fiance is like oh my god like (laughs) what what happened to you like it's literally within like an hour of being back with my family I'm like hello like so English Mm -hmm. I love it (laughs) anyways we're getting carried away we could talk about accents and and Englishness Englishisms for for the whole episode I'd be super happy but yeah we should probably move on Let's talk about where you were born in England. So you grew up in Kent, which is about an hour and a half south of where I grew up in Hertfordshire. So whereabouts in Kent were you? In Tunbridge. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. The only place I've been to in Kent is the um, the Cathedral City of Canterbury. My cousin actually got married there. It was beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah, that's the main place that people know in Kent. The other thing Kent is famous for, I guess, is the, the kind of stately homes like the mm. National Trust properties. I think Darwin has his house there, Rudyard Kipling, Churchill. Wow. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all That's all you get. Yeah. yeah, no, it's really, really picturesque. But yeah, the history of it, that's, that's one of the things I probably miss most, honestly, other than obviously my family and friends. But, you know, Canada is so new and you can walk around England and everything is just so old and you can imagine all the stories that, that these buildings have lived through. Um yeah, especially in, in places like Canterbury and, and things like that. That's what I miss a lot. Yeah, the architecture's very different here, that's for sure. But I find the buildings are generally much, much warmer than the old right. stone, like brick, hundreds of year old buildings. Yeah, it's funny, actually. I put up a video of us building our house on TikTok um, and it, it kind of blew up. I didn't know how TikTok worked. And I was like, oh, my God, how many people have watched it? Like, it blew my mind. But all these people are commenting from England being like, that house is made of wood like where are the bricks like (laughs) all these people commenting on it like that I'm like they don't build houses with bricks in Canada that's so warm it's minus 40 out and you wouldn't know so yeah it was funny (laughs) so what do you miss most about Kent tell us what it was like growing up there and and what you're kind of most nostalgic for um honestly I'm not very nostalgic for living in English (laughs) mainly because mainly because I hate rain and I live for the sunshine. Right. Like, it's just so cut and dry for me. I would always rather be somewhere where it's sunny. And um, all I remember about England is just, like, constant rain and never being able to plan things that you want to do in the summer because it was, could, would just always be raining. And yeah. so... And I've always been like that. I've always just been really happy. When, like I, I w- when I started traveling, I would be happy when I was just in a car park somewhere in Europe and it was sunny. And I was just like so happy because it was sunny. <laughs> so yes. I like, I mean, I go back there uh, usually once a year, aside from when there's a global pandemic. And the, I mean, 
of, of obviously the main thing I, I just miss is the people. Like I love being surrounded by British people and catching up with my friends and, you know, watching TV. I do like watching TV when I go back. There's something about British TV that's just better than everywhere else in the world, in my opinion, yes. <laughs> when it comes to TV. But everyone judges me. They're like, why do you just watch like children murderers and like all this dark stuff? Because it's like the BBC dramas are always like someone's been killed or a body's been found or it's always just so dark. I find that so funny. Like the British people just love a good dark drama. Something's wrong with us, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's, but particularly with the dark comedy, like the, the British mm. comedy, you know, like the League of Gentlemen and just like really weird dark yes. comedies that's that's yeah that's what i love most about british really culture. dry sarcasm and mm-hmm. even my yeah i can say something here and you know something so obvious that's i'm joking and they're like really it's like they just don't pick up on the, <laughs> yeah. the cues of our humor it's funny <laughs> so yeah your story is really fascinating you've been going back and forth a little bit between different countries and then different canadian provinces for for the past decade or so but um going back to the very beginning you first experienced living in canada back in 2006 when you came to study in toronto as part of a university exchange um what made you decide on toronto at that time and and how was that experience honestly it was just a combination of I, I loved traveling. I knew I wanted to do a semester abroad just so that I could travel more. And I really wanted to go to the US. But number one, I thought it would be very competitive to apply to the placement program in the US. And number two, I was studying drama and the idea of doing drama with Americans just, I felt like it would be too much for me. And so <laughs> I applied to Canada and I got in to U of T I pretty much knew nothing about Canada. I just wanted to get out of England for a bit. And I just fell in love with it. As soon as I, as soon as I landed, I had the best experience. I stayed in the, um, like one of the residence, halls of residence, which was an old hotel. It was used to be the Metropolitan Hotel. I had a roommate and it was like, there was all you can eat food in the canteen all day and and I stayed in the building with all the international students so there was international students from all over the world plus it was kind of like the queer friendly so like all the all the Canadian gays or just like people from Canada who wanted to be around international students so it was just the most fun gang of people and we had so much fun in the halls of residence and and doing little trips together and discovering, you know, discovering the the surrounding areas. And there was an ice rink right outside, um, which we were right next to City Hall. So we, I bought a $20 pair of ice skates from that, um, what is that crazy store, Ed's? It's called Honest Ed's or something in Toronto. That's just like this oh. big mishmash of like really random things. And you can get really cheap ice skates there. So we would just go ice skating in the evenings and at night. And like after we came out from a night out, we would just go and hit the ice rink. And it was, I had the best time. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so bad at ice skating. I remember I landed in Canada and I'm trying to, you know, I'm meeting my boyfriend of the time's family for the first time and he was like yeah once a year my whole family rents this you know ice rink and we go skating I'm like I've got to, <laughs> I'm trying to impress them and I'm like bam being around the ice like, it was so embarrassing that's some pressure <laughs> yeah <laughs> but what a cool family tradition I know really cool he's such a big family he's one of six and then two of his brothers have four kids it's just insane a lot of people to meet and remember names of and but yeah <laughs> it was four years ago now. But, wow. Um, really cool. So you were in Toronto. How long were you there for, for that exchange? I was only there for about six months, maybe even less. And then I went back 
to finish my degree in Manchester. And I didn't come back again until 2008. So I, I finished my degree. I worked in TV and film for a bit in England. I tried to move to Berlin. I got my English teaching qualification, but it was right in the recession. And obviously nobody wanted to hire me and nobody was leaving their jobs. So I went there, ran out of money, came back to England, got a, one job teaching in English enough to get enough money for a one-way plane ticket back out to Canada. I got, I reapplied for a work visa and I flew out to Vancouver because when I was in Toronto, everyone was like, oh, you should definitely go and check out Vancouver. It's amazing. There's a big film industry there. And so, yeah, that's when I came back in 2008. Wow. That's really cool because, yeah, like you said, you were in Toronto for six months, but it obviously made such a, a good impression on you that you were always thinking about it really um, and worked your way back again just two years later. So, yeah, that's awesome. That was going to be one of my questions. Obviously, you had settled into Toronto, but then why did you go to Vancouver, I guess? Yeah, just to check out a new place. Obviously, with Toronto, I am I know TIFF, you know, the Toronto International Film Festival. So um, I don't know much about the, the Vancouver film industry. Is it just as, just as notorious? <laughs> I don't know if it's bigger. It might be. But it's like one of the main industries in Vancouver. And it's mountains, like it's beautiful, yeah. beautiful nature and locations. And that's really, you know, that was the pull. And that's what I wanted to check out. So I went, was like ready to hustle, like had my resume ready. You know, like I got in touch through a, some some English connection with someone who was a producer out there. And he kind of like helped me out, put me in the right direction. Anyway, turns out I was like ready to hustle and was like, oh, maybe I'll get a job in film or maybe I'll have to go home. And, you know, I applied to like every single type of job so I could stay. I think I had enough money to last me for about a month. And I found an apartment. I literally could not believe how nice it was for the money <laughs> and it's just beautiful in the even in like the slight you know outer suburbs of, of Vancouver yeah. anyway turns out in Vancouver literally every other person works in film so like I'll just bump <laughs> into people in the coffee shop and you know wow. like I got a job very easily well, I started getting a lot of work also I think the British accent helped a lot with that I was obviously memorable <laughs> and also they just need loads of people so I started working and then yeah I was just got tons and tons of work and you know, landed just, I landed a dream job at, with a small film company in Gastown. And we did some really amazing gigs, like some gigs for BC Tourism. So I went on the road with the director who ran the company. And we were oh driving around gosh. like all of the most idyllic spots in, in the interior, taking pictures of like all the most amazing places, you know, staying at hotel, like nice resorts Stay we stayed at, and visited a ranch, I got to go horse riding, I got to go wakeboarding, I was like in some of the shots, I got to like pretend that I was fly fishing or like hiking <laughs> and like, just the mo e most epic vistas. I got to um coordinate a documentary on the First Nations, which I knew nothing about what First Nations wow. people were when I landed in Canada. And then suddenly I found myself interviewing all the elders of the Tsleil-Waututh community and like, you know, learning all about their traditional land and their traditional culture. And wow. it was just, it was incredible. Yeah, I'm so grateful. Oh my gosh. And that's really a dream. Like you are new so you're really the target audience for all of this content that you're creating. So you're kind of learning as you go. And that's, that's so cool. And yeah, obviously with the recent Canada Day and, you know, those, those horrible, just horrifying discoveries of, you know, from the residential schools. And I've been thinking more and more about trying to get someone from the First Nations communities to, to come on this podcast because it's so important as newcomers to, to make the effort to learn about that. I think that's my next 
guest hunt is to find somebody from 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 first nations to come on here but um that's a great idea yeah that's incredible what an amazing experience so how long were you in vancouver for then during this time um because you're in montreal now as you mentioned so yeah so that first year work permit i had i'd stayed there for the whole year and then i had to leave so i went back to england i was there for about six months again miserable in the rain yeah (laughs) yeah I, i i got um i started doing an internship at 20th Century Fox. And I remember I would just cry on my lunch break. So I was just like, I don't want to be in an office in London. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I feel like we're adding to the stereotype though. Like it doesn't rain all the time. Like I feel like that's an inside joke or a joke that I have to put up with a lot. You know, when it's just drizzling in Canada, everyone's like, oh, you're from England. Like, haha, you must be used to it. But um... no, it does. It rains like 80% (laughs) of the time. Sorry, you're not helping the cause. I don't know what planet you're living on. (laughs) I remember one time that first year after I got back and I got the train, got off the train and my mom came to pick me up on the station. She was like, and I was looking out at the, the gray, heavy clouds in the sky. And my mom picked me up and was like, well, at least you had a nice day for your arrival. And I was just like, oh, no, what do you mean? This is the, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's funny, actually, Isaac, my my fiance, he landed in England for the first time. And he put it, I never thought of it this way. But as somebody visiting for the first time, he said, why is your sky so low? That's what he said. And I can't stop thinking about that. I'm like, yes, that is the perfect way to describe it. If you're wondering what it's like in England, it does, doesn't it? It feels like it. Like the sky in Canada is so high up and like open and it's blue. And yes, there's clouds, but it still feels higher. I don't know. It's not filled with dark gray clouds 99% of the time. It just feels on top of you. Yeah. So that's funny. I always think about that. But um, yeah, I love England, though. I do love going back, like you said. And so you lived in London. Um, Let's quickly talk about London, if anyone's wanting to visit. Obviously, it's a beautiful city. There's so much going on. There's, you know, a lot of... um, What I miss most is, like, all of the events. You can go to shows. You can go to, like... You can find a bar and there's just, like, an open mic night. You can just, like, listen to random musicians. I think I miss that a lot. Yeah, that's for sure. I think I think I didn't realize how much of a privilege that we have by the music scene mm. in England when I came to Canada because honestly, it was just the most amazing thing yeah. to grow up just southeast of London and then going up to Manchester and all tiny tiny little venues and such cheap tickets and I've seen such famous people in tiny venues and um here it's just big stadiums almost, right? So it's not quite the same vibe. And like the carnival, Notting Hill Carnival on the bank holiday weekend, just like a free street party with like a million people, amazing food, all the different stages, just like um, incredible. Yeah, I, I definitely made the most of that when I was in England and there's amazing music in, in Canada too, but it's, it's very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely just having that many people packed into such a small land space in England makes it so, so vibrant and people really love to party and they love to let loose. And I find that that's, it's not quite the same in Canada. You could definitely find pockets of that, but you have to look harder for it. It's not just like everywhere you go. (laughs) Yeah. You can't just, you know, walk around a corner and stumble on like another pub where the the beer garden's just packed or yeah like you said like different festivals going on um 
Yeah. I mean, Montreal's very much like that, which is why I love it. It's why, that's why it's my favorite city because the music scene there is incredible and very vibrant and tons and tons and tons of festivals. Yeah. Let's talk about Montreal. So you were in Toronto, then you came back, we we're in Vancouver, and then now to this day, you're in Montreal. So what's Montreal like? So yeah, you mentioned the music scene's great. Obviously, it's more European. So you have a bit more of that history. And um, I've only been once when it was like minus 40 degrees, and I was miserable and no one left the <laughs> hotel. So I haven't really experienced it yet. So so let us know what it's like. Montreal is my favorite city in the world. And I always think about this all the time about why it's so great. And my most recent thought on that was, because it's got all the best bits about Canada. It's got like the friendliness, the openness, the like chillness, the just like the curiosity of general people. You know, like Canadians are so open to people from other places for the most part, particularly in like the metropolitan areas. And it's also got obviously because of the French influence, because French is like the primary language in Quebec because of the French settlers. And also because the French settlers were some of the earliest settlers in Canada. So they have architecture from, you know, 100 or so years ago. So it maybe even more than that. I'm not very good with dates or history. Really old <laughs> architecture. Definitely not as old as Europe, but some of that's like beautiful kind of like old European style yes. and cobbled streets and stuff like that. So you've got that. You've got a little bit of the European influence and like the food culture and just like the way of life. And because it's East Coast, it's very much influenced by New York. So it's got a lot of the cool things about New York in terms of culture and just like connections to people all over the world because of that French. So you have, you know, it's very, very multicultural. You have more immigrants from like Haiti and, you know, like, um, and Africa and other French speaking countries and Morocco. Um, so there's more connections to more places in the world. And, and the, that diversity is is just amazing, amazing. I love it. Wow, that's really cool. It's cool to to know more about the feel and the vibe of a place because you can only really know that from someone that's lived there. So yeah, that's really valuable. What would you say to anyone who is maybe a little apprehensive about moving to Montreal regarding obviously the French language barrier, you know, making friends from that and career opportunities and, and all of that stuff? Because I know that's a concern that quite a lot of people worry about. Yeah. And it's a very real concern. And I, I feel very privileged that I got to spend so much time there because I was studying there. And then obviously my work is online and I work in English on the internet. So mm. I'm still able to spend time there without actually having to create work opportunities for myself in Montreal. I've never had to do that. I did a little bit of serving when I was a student, but you definitely need French to be able to work there. I mean, I think, you know, you, there, you for sure can find opportunities. Um, but it's definitely more challenging and there's a lot of restrictions and they really push the French to obviously like maintain the culture so it doesn't get completely wiped out as a little French island in the middle of English North America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely is, you know, it definitely brings a lot of challenges and I've known people that have come and like also struggled a little bit being like an English kind of outsider. I think it 100% depends on what you do, your industry, where you work, the company, but there will always be conversations within your workplace in French. So if you don't know French, or you're not willing to do the work to learn it, then it just, it will be challenging unless there's like a, a random opportunity that's, you know, available for you and your industry. That means you really didn't have to. And there are people in Montreal who don't speak French and who have lived there their whole life. Like there's a very thriving and vibrant English community there. 
you know, I did get to an intermediate level of French because I had to pass that to emigrate and get my permanent residency as a Quebec resident. I did have to, that was like a requirement. And that took a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of failures of the French <laughs> test. But yeah, you can, you can get by in Montreal without speaking French for sure. But yeah, job opportunities are definitely fewer. But I think like Google has an office there. I think Amazon is opening more offices there. Like the video game industry is really big there. So there are, I think there will be more and more opportunities for, for non-French speakers um, to find work there in the future. Mm. I definitely see that. Yeah. And I think the good thing about Montreal is that obviously English is well spoken there as well. It's not like a fully immersive yeah. experience, you know, moving to a country where that language is essential straight away. Like you said, you know, you have to be there and, you know, willing to to put the work in and to, to really embrace that culture and learn that language. But uh, when you first get there, you will be able to get by because they do speak English. But yeah, I think the more you speak it and the more you push yourself outside of your comfort zone like the quicker you will learn it I think that was my biggest regret um because I lived in France when I was 13 to 17 and I did not allow myself to be fluent during that time because you know I would have had those lifetime language skills but I was just too worried at the time about how I sounded or being embarrassed if I got something wrong so that's definitely my biggest advice is like if you're going to go there just just do it and just speak it and just practice it and mess up and it's not a big deal to just mess up and make mistakes because I worried way too much and then I just stuck with English speakers and um yeah I didn't get the level of fluency I could have so I think that's just such a natural part of learning a new language though because yeah. it is it's just like the most far outside of your comfort zone you can get trying to communicate with that like very little school skills and abilities but um but yeah definitely and, and I did that in the beginning just I purposefully hung out with groups of French people. And there's obviously lots of French people from France there too. And a lot of the events are in French and, you know, particularly in the arts. And I was doing my master's in film studies. So I'd go to a lot of like talks and things in, in French. So I think if you can find something that you're really into that you can get the opportunity to do in that language, that's definitely the best way mm. to just build up your exposure to it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to help you with with your career in Canada anywhere because you see these job mm -hmm. positions, even in Ontario or other provinces where they're like, hey, bilingualism is, is, a, is a bonus and you'll be picked over somebody else. So right. yeah, really cool. It does take work. It definitely takes work, yes. but it's fun. It's fun to do it. <laughs> okay, so you've lived obviously Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, what what are the different comparisons between the three cities for anyone listening that that may be stuck between you know deciding which place to to land in Canada? Okay, this is a great question. So Montreal is my favorite because it's chill. It's really small, so you can get everywhere. You can get pretty much anywhere on like a twenty minute bike ride, and it's pretty flat. So it's really fun to bike around. It's my absolute favorite way to travel. Or like also in the winter when it's very, very cold, which by the way, a comment on your it being nine, minus 14, you not wanting to leave, you just have to have the right gear. If you have the right shoes, you obviously know that now that you're in. Yeah, I, I was, I was fresh. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah. fresh and not trained in the, the gear. And also the Canadian I was with was wearing like Lulu leggings with the mesh on the side <laughs> and Uggs. And I was like, what are you? I'm so confused and she was miserable and I was like you're from here like I'm dressed better than you are like that's just so funny <laughs> that's hilarious to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just wear the right clothes like I especially in Montreal 
there's amazing street sales. I picked up so many incredible fur jackets for like $10. I got this man's fur jacket. I don't know what it's made from, like beaver or something. <laughs> and it's the warmest thing. And it's lined with a blanket because they have outdoor festivals in the winter. There's um, Igloo Fest wow. with like amazing DJs, ice sculptures down by the old port. You can go out dancing when it's minus 30 and just have, you know, enjoy the winter and get to be outside. It's, mm-hmm. it's exhausting to be outside in that that level of cold, but it's worth it. And... um yeah, so the culture's amazing. You know, it's very open in in that you can just go and go out and like make friends and meet people and everyone's super open and the park culture is incredible in the summers and yeah, all the multicultural aspects, all of the festivals. There's so many festivals there. The music scene is incredible. So many amazing music venues, so many arts festivals, totally my jam. And the surrounding nature is great too. I think all of these cities have really great surrounding nature. Obviously, East Coast is a little less quite a bit less dramatic than the West Coast, but still amazing like waterfalls and lakes. And, you know, there's Mont Tremblant, which is like a slightly smaller comparatively to the West Coast mountain. Mm -hmm. And they're very laid back and chill. I would say Toronto is very much more influenced by like New York culture in that people kind of like hustle more and people are very much more focused on work. I feel like everybody in Montreal just works part-time and like really enjoys their life. <laughs> very and, European. like spends a lot of time <laughs> in the park. Yeah. Toronto. Yeah. I, I feel like people are a little bit more like leading with the question, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of the vibe. It's your identity more. Yeah. Like you live to work or, and then in Montreal you're, you're just like working, but then living is, is the priority. Yeah, yeah, totally. I do agree. And I think like in Toronto, it's very much like your elevator pitch and networking and, you know, meeting people that way. And it's all very much like LinkedIn and your, your career. And, um, there is a great expat community there. I would definitely say, you know, people go to Toronto for, for that. I think as well, like if you're looking, if you're coming by yourself and, um, I think if I was coming by myself, I would definitely choose Toronto for that reason. Cause there's so many huge communities on Facebook of like Brits in Toronto or, you know, whatever the different mm-hmm. groups that you can meet up with and have your support network there. Cause there's just so many expats there. Right. And I think in terms of opportunities, there's the most opportunities in Toronto mm-hmm. in like all different industries, big corporations, also in the arts and film. Yeah. And, and it's so multicultural too. Yeah. But it's, which is amazing. Like all these little stores of like from like food from all these different cultures and, um, and it's very, it's very like integrated. Like the multiculturalism in Canada and in the cities I find is very integrated. But, but Toronto is still very much influenced by like, north american english culture well i mean that's that was just my impression and it's and it's a little more like a little bit more cliquey mm, in that like yeah in montreal people are like everyone let's be friends everyone let's be <laughs> friends and, and in toronto it's a little bit like who are you who do you know right before they'll like let you in mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. okay. and vancouver's a little bit like that too right but vancouver the culture is really the nature I mean, there are people who live in Vancouver and are very city people and they don't necessarily spend a lot of time in nature, but, but because it's so far away, it's like Vancouver is pretty much the same distance from Toronto as London. So it's very, very far away and isolated from like European culture or like Middle Eastern culture. Like it's very white slash Asian. So it feels multicultural, but it's mainly. Asian mm-hmm. and white. So it's just a little bit less multicultural, which I didn't really notice at first. But coming from growing up just outside of London, I just realized that like having that like real diversity is something that I really value and that I really enjoy. Um, 
And it really influences the culture. It influences the music. It influences, obviously, the food. Like, they have amazing, amazing sushi, which is honestly one of the best things about Vancouver. Yes. And, you know, there's really amazing festivals and, like, a really... It's a thriving artistic community, but the government really doesn't fund um, the arts as much as Montreal um, or as much as Toronto. So it's just like, it's a little more kind of like business focused um, and you just have to look a little bit harder. And, but there's some really incredible festivals like out in the in the mountains, in the forest, like by glacial rivers that are like absolutely stunning. And, it, and it's really influenced by the kind of West Coast culture of like the beat generation and the hippies and, you know, Burning Man culture. So it's like, I don't know, people are just so lovely and you can go to a festival and just like leave your stuff around and like walk around in bare feet and like never have to worry about things being stolen or wow. there's a lot of that, which I really, really appreciated. And, and people were really, are really connected to the nature and um, there's just like endless endless adventures in bc like you could live there for 50 lifetimes and never see it all you know yes, and the hikes and the trails and the mountains you go to the islands i i had the best road trip i've ever had in my life on vancouver island and going to tofino and all of those places it's just beauty that your eyes don't even believe it like you're you're pulling yeah. over the car like every five minutes because you round another corner and it's another lake that's just like bright blue and you're just your mouth just drops to the floor and you pull the car over again it's like you're never going to get anywhere it's so beautiful yeah to live there must be something else honestly the only thing for me is that it's just like you said it's so far away like I'm already missing my family enough that you know you're sitting on a plane for eight hours like you know to move to the west coast it's a long long time to have to sit on the plane to go see them so that's the one downside and the time difference too, but like yeah. having an eight hour time difference, I did definitely did find it more challenging to find regular times to speak to people back home, particularly when I was working in film where, you know, sometimes I'd be on set from like six until like the end of the day and I'd completely not even have a window of opportunity yeah. to speak to my family. That's tough. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, they're all just so different, really, aren't they? All the pros and cons. I have a feeling from what you've been saying, so your favorite's Montreal and then Vancouver and then Toronto. Is that what you, you would say? Yeah. yeah, I love Toronto too, though. I think a lot of people hate on Toronto, but a lot of people who hate on Toronto have actually never been there. Yeah, <laughs> And it's an amazing city. Like I love Kensington Market. There's amazing beaches. There's incredible, incredible nature around around Toronto. Like when you go up north, amazing camping. Yeah. Canada is just awesome. Let's just end the episode there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm literally like the world's biggest ambassador for Canada. Yeah. I'm like, who... Why do not more people know about Canada? Like, it's I feel like it's so under the radar. Yeah. I'm going to Alberta next month, which I'm really excited about because I've never been to Calgary before. Um, so I'm looking forward so to that. So Going to go and the see Rockies. all of my laptop screensavers. Because <laughs> 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 it's true. Like, you buy a laptop and it has, like, Lake Louise on it. Like, I think that's just... Right. Ever since my first laptop when I was, like, 12, 13, 14 or whatever, I had Lake Louise on my laptop. <laughs> I'm finally going to go. It's going to be really cool. So... Um, yeah, Banff, Jasper. I'm excited. This is going to be a good trip. I've been been here four years and I've been looking forward to that the whole time. So It's stunning. <laughs> okay, so you've built an amazing career in Canada. Obviously, you were mentioning um, when you were doing your work in the film industry that you suffered with burnout. Um, and then now you've kind of transitioned through, you know, you went through a copywriting stage and now you're coaching people. So right now you help people become creative business 
badasses and I love it. I love your colorful <laughs> website. I love your energy. I love your hula hooping and music and all that wonderful content that you put out into the world. So if you are listening to this episode and you're feeling that pull towards a digital nomad life or, you know, how to monetize your creative passion projects. I implore you to visit Sarah's website with sarahmack.com. Reading through it myself, I, I honestly felt like you were talking directly to me and how I feel with everything personally. So yeah, I'm really excited to, to quickly pick your brains on this. Um, yeah, tell us more about it all. Tell us a little more about what you do. Amazing. Thank you for that. So yeah, so after my burnout, when I ended up in Bali, I was helping my friend with her website and she was like, oh, you're really good at copy. Mm-hmm. And I met another couple of writers and that was when I realized like, oh yeah, like writing is something I can totally monetize and help people with. And that was really my introduction to um, digital marketing online. And I wrote for thousands or over a thousand different types of entrepreneurs when I started out as a copywriter I started attracting a lot of coaches as clients and that really introduced me to that world and all of these just amazing really inspiring women and so I ended up in a coaching program and started learning about mindset and money mindset and I was applying that to my work as a copywriter and I started you know I doubled my income two years in a row and then I was like this is like this is gold like this I need to be sharing this work with more people so I sort of integrated like social media marketing content strategy how to talk about whatever it is that you want to sell that you're most passionate about doing and combining that with the mindset work getting over imposter syndrome you know believing that your big creative dreams are actually possible enough to take the action to make them happen and that eventually um, evolved into my coaching business, which I started in 2018, where I started off doing like money mindset programs for creatives. And then I brought my content strategy back in again. And now I, I'm really focused on supporting people to create teaching content and courses, either as like a coach or a mentor or creating digital offers to be able to just create income streams around things that they're really passionate about so that they can have more freedom in their life to do other things. Like I work with a lot of artist entrepreneurs who are also singer songwriters or, you know, have other creative careers going and they want to be able to support themselves and have resources to, you know, live their life and and support their, their passions. My dream job, I love it. And it gives me so much freedom and, you know, it allowed me to, to recover my health and to be on my own schedule and create resources to give myself the support that I needed to learn how to get better and heal and get my energy back. And now I use a lot of that free creative energy that I created for myself to put into songwriting and music production. And that's kind of my passion project that I'm focused on at the moment. Yeah. And that really is the dream ultimately for for all of us to just go to bed every night really happy and you've had a day full of joy and you feel fulfilled and you're doing something you love. And then if you can get a paycheck from that, then that's just the goal, I feel like, for everybody. And I think, you know, it's becoming more and more okay to to reject what's been expected of all of us in the past. You know, that nine to five chain to a desk until the clock goes straight to five and then you're free. You know, this whole grind and hustle mindset that those things are markers of success. You know, if you're kind of burnt out at the end of the day, then you're a successful, you know, entrepreneur, you know, that fulfillment 
and to be, you know, in a space where you're actually, you know, doing those things that you're passionate about. I feel like that is a bigger success for sure. And that's what I've strived for as well. Like I started this podcast and I'm just trying to grow this community more and more and it just brings me so much joy. So that's the ultimate goal for me as well. So it's awesome that you help people to realize that because it's a huge thing, you know, figuring out what you want and what actually even brings you joy and what you're passionate about. That in itself is, is a big challenge. But once you have that clarity and that plan of action, um, it's about, I guess, listening to that intuition and just kind of working for that. And um, like you mentioned, I think that's so great that it's not just working and then eating dinner and going to bed. You know, you have time at the end of the day or, you know, a couple of days a week even to do other things that you're not making money of, of but, you know, that you're happy and it brings you joy. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. And that that's really the mindset work is just reconditioning mm. the stories and the belief systems that it has to be hard. And, yeah. you know, we, and we create patterns around it, you know, like when I was in working in film crews, like I was hustling, you know, driving like long hours, like really active. And so it's like, we, it, a lot of it is just like the retraining, like it's okay to listen to what we really want and to believe that that is there for a reason enough to actually take action on it and see it through and for it to be fun and for it to be simple and easy and you can be healthy and well rested and have space for family and you know all of the things that are important to us like we get to make the rules it's up to us and we can do that now with the internet. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. it is an amazing thing for sure. And I think, you know, my next question was going to be, you know, what would the first step be that you'd recommend for someone who is burnt out at their work right now and looking to find more fulfillment in their career? What What's really the first step? It's probably just to start reflecting on what things you actually are passionate about and then figuring out how to monetize that. Yeah, really just carving out that space to really listen. And I think a lot of the time we don't listen is because mm. it's, it, it can be overwhelming. It can be painful. You know, it's not, it's not about judging ourselves. It's really about listening to like, what do I really want now? And a lot of the time for people who are either, you know, in a trajectory that they're not, they know is not really the trajectory for them which, you know, it was for me at that time is to, you just need space. Like you just need that space to really like connect back to listening to yourself, which we can get very good at not listening and, and seeing what comes up from that, you know, and like starting to take action on the things that you are feeling inspired by and that you're feeling drawn towards and just creating yes. more space to continue to take one step at a time in that direction. And then really just to allow that to unfold because, I would ha had no idea that I was going to be like start off as a writer. Like I literally did not even see myself as a writer, even though I'd been, you know, I'd been writing papers for university and I, you know, my background was in like theater and I used to write for theater. Like I, I never saw myself. I never associated that kind of identity as something that I could make money from. And it was literally like one day, one shift in perspective, one conversation, one meeting that opened me up to like a whole new avenue that I never would have accessed if I hadn't have just been following those breadcrumbs and just taking one step closer to what I thought was exciting and, and could hold the potential for me. So you don't have to know. Um, you really just one step at a time. That's all you need. One step in a better, more fun, exciting direction and your life will just end up being more fun and exciting. Yes. I love that because we can put ourselves in, in such boxes, you know, I, I've done it myself. You know, I, I, as soon as I graduated, I was an events manager and I've always just 
that's my identity. I'm an events manager and I want to organize events. But then very recently, I just kind of stopped and asked myself, like, do I even enjoy managing events anymore? Is that even a thing that I want to be doing anymore? Um, it doesn't really pay well anyway. So <laughs> like, why, why am I still doing it just because I've been doing it for 10 years? You know, it's, you kind of box yourself into to your history and what you've studied at university maybe as well. You think, well, I've invested all that money in my university and that's all I've ever done since graduating. So yeah, there's so much more out there and it's crazy the things that you can make money from. Like you said, the internet is incredible. If you have a skill or you have a passion, you can you can make money doing something that makes you happy. I think it's such an awesome mindset. I think what I've learned as well, like I'd advise anyone to like, I think you mentioned it, you know, just pay close attention to what lights you up every day in your life. You know, what projects or people or brands or social media accounts, like what are the ones that jump out at you and you and get you excited, right? Even like a jealous thing, you know, oh, like I'd love to do that. You know, that's really the dream. Oh, she's killing it. You know, that kind of thing that could be your intuition just telling you that that's that would be such a great thing for you to explore so yeah totally and it doesn't have to make sense at all figure it out all it all it needs to be is fun if you keep following what's fun your life will be fun it really is that simple (laughs) exactly and just be brave obviously you've moved to a new country you're already brave you're so courageous you know more than the majority of people they wouldn't dare do what you've done or you know even if you're listening and you're considering moving to Canada you know you've got that spark in you to be adventurous so you're already like you've done so much of the work already so just keep going I guess (laughs) yeah and I think honestly like that was one of my biggest successes is just getting that one-way flight out to Vancouver not knowing anybody Mm. and really like it working out so well for me and obviously like that's testament to Canadians like so many strangers helped me out and were generous and I, I guess like it just showed me that when you jump the universe will catch you yeah. you know and I was like oh like I really I took a risk I went out on a limb I had no idea what to expect didn't have much of a plan and then just doing that and then seeing how like massively my life just exploded and got so amazing in so many ways I think that definitely um set me up for success with everything that I've done in business and it's really sometimes it's just about taking that first leap and and just allowing it to work out you know yeah and I think entrepreneurship is so encouraged in Canada from what I found anyway like in the UK yes I know people that have started their own thing but I feel like in Canada it's such a a bigger thing I think yeah it's definitely more of a North American attitude that like no matter where you're from or like where you've come from or what struggles you face like you can do anything and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's definitely less of a narrative in in Europe because like classism and elitism is a very real thing like there's a lot more glass ceilings in yeah. Europe nepotism it's so and so old yeah yeah for sure. Oh, well, thank you so much. I don't even know what I'm going to title this episode because it could be, you know, choosing <laughs> cities in Canada that was so valuable or, you know, that, you know, that motivation to start something and, and be creative and oh, so inspiring. So thank you so, so much for your time. Um, where can people go to, to find out more about you, get in touch, uh, share all of your links? Thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. You can find me at withsarahmack.com, like W-I-T-H. And then you can links to all of my socials on same on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. I have a Facebook uh, community called Big Creative Fun. And please reach out if you have any questions um, or, yeah, if you have any questions about Canada, I'm more than happy to help out. Perfect. Yeah, you definitely have the inside info on all of the places. That's really cool. 
Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.